I just finished an eight-week broadcast documentary nightmare job. It was pretty bad. I burnt out pretty hard, but I learned a few things in hindsight. And so I wanted to share with you some of the lessons that I learned from this. Let's get on with the podcast. Hello, welcome back to the video editing podcast from Unsplice with me, your host, Shiny. You should know me by now. And if you're new around here, welcome. Really great to have you. Thank you so much for joining. And if you are not new, welcome back. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you are listening via a podcast app, I would love it if you left an amazing review. It would mean the world to me. So thank you very much for being a loyal listener. This job that I just finished, like I said, it was an eight-week documentary broadcast job. I'm not going to mention the employer. Not worth it. I don't want any bad blood. Um, but I want to tell you about some of the things that happened so that you can either share in that if it's something that you've been through yourself you can find some catharsis and some camaraderie in the fact that you know we're going through this together and this is not an isolated isolated incident in that it's not that i have gone through this before but there are many editors who go through similar nightmare positions that i experienced and so as a collective we can share these stories learn from them and you know have each other's back and if you're new to video editing, it'll give you a perspective on some of the norms in the industry and some of the working conditions that are expected within the industry. Like I said, this is a documentary cut. This is an eight week edit for a TV 30 minutes. So that's about 22 to 25 minutes, something like that. And uh, that's the that's the industry we're working in right now. That's the way this story is coming from and the clients. So, as I mentioned, by the end of this job, not even by the end, but I was burnt out. I was burnt out pretty hard. I was super, super stressed. And in hindsight, it's the, um, the combination of unrealistic deadlines which is normal, but also partly my fault because I was so passionate about this project from the beginning. I really wanted this film to be a showpiece for me because most of the edits, most of the documentary edits I work on are broadcast. So they get shown on TV and I don't have the legal rights to put it on my website, to put it in my portfolio. So it's really difficult to kind of share with the world the work that I create. Whereas this one was going out to streaming platforms on TV and on YouTube. And so I really wanted to make this one of the best pieces I'd ever cut. So I was incredibly emotionally invested in the success of this project. And unfortunately, 
that was the very demise. That is what caused the burnout in the first place, because creative control was seized from me in the last sprint. So in the beginning, I'm given, I'm handed so much creative control about the narrative and I'm building out this story. It's episode one of a four episode series. So I'm setting the precedent of everything, the tone, the narrative, introduction of the characters, setting them on this journey. And I really was really, really excited about this opportunity and and kind of making these characters as lovable and, and engageable and having us bond with the characters as strong as possible. Um, I really love this part of storytelling. And so I found myself incredibly invested in making it the best it could possibly be. It was about week six of this eight week project that we sent a cut to the execs, to the executives. And at that point, that was when the executives took control. And when they did so, they kind of ripped the heart out of the film. I'm going to try and be as um, completely objective as possible. Obviously, this is a story about my experience. um, So it's difficult to not be subjective. But I don't want to, uh, I don't want to get too emotionally um, caught up in this story. I just kind of want to share with you some of the uh, facts without getting too heavy uh, in the emotional dialogue. Because I don't think it's healthy, I don't think it's productive, and um, a couple of weeks have passed since the job finished, so I'm in a much better place now. And um, really, this is just about the lessons and everything that happened on the project. So when the executives took control in this last two weeks, the last sprint where everybody is all hands on deck, we need this, We've got two weeks to deliver this. We've got one week until this cut goes out to the client. We really need to make this as best as we possibly can. Well, of course, I have been doing that up until that point. And then when the execs came in and took over, the one of the main execs got their mate of 20 years, who's an editor. They've been cutting with them for 20 years to, uh, and I quote, sprinkle his magic dust on the film. And that was a pretty hard-hitting comment based on the work that I'd already put in. When the executive editor took over and did their pass, multiple passes, um, the humour and the connection with the characters was removed. And I know I'm not being subjective in this statement because when the executive editor did their first pass, the feedback from the executive that employed him to come on this job, uh, the feedback was that they didn't bond with the characters anymore and the film was now boring and that they wanted the energy back that had been lost from my cut. So I'm not subjective with this feedback in saying that the humor and the connection was gone from this cut. So you can 
kind of imagine how I felt at that point, having invested so much time, love and energy into the film, having it ripped out by an exec's comment um, and an exec's mate who came in, pulled it apart, ripped out all the good stuff and uh, made it incredibly generic to the point where everybody agreed that it was a worse version. The executive editor then tried to address that feedback in terms of bringing back the humor, bringing back the connection with the characters, um, but they failed. They were not able to bring it back to the same point that it was before. And this is based on, again, further feedback um, from the execs. What I realized when I watched back the edit and <clears throat> understood that it was missing some of these key points in storytelling, um, and this is really a lesson in storytelling more than anything else. When I watched it back, I realized it was missing some of the key principles of storytelling. And these are some of the things that I find uh, that exist in editors without any formal training, editors who are self-taught within an, their own bubble, who have never gone outside of that to seek mentorship or guidance from someone else who's gone through so much more. And really one of those was building this bond with the character. That's one of the fundamentals of storytelling, because if we don't care about the person that we're watching on screen, then we're not going to watch. And if they go through hardship, we're not going to care as an audience member. We are just going to kind of passively go, oh, well, that happened. Never mind. And that's when we tune out as an audience. Either we just stop watching, we walk away, we go make some, I don't know, get a snack from the fridge and then put something else on. And that's why creating a bond with the character on screen is so important. And that's what was was lacking. It was these techniques, these fundamental, this fundamental understanding and the techniques of how to build a bond with the character. And if you don't know what those principles are, then you don't know when an edit is missing them because the edit will make sense, right? Let's talk about character goes from A to B. They do step one, step two, step three, step four. They get there, right? Let's say the story was person wakes up and they need to go to work. Well, they can do that. They can get up, they can get dressed, brush their teeth, have breakfast, commute, and then end up at work. That's a successful story, right? And that is a very, very basic linear narrative. But why should we care that they went to work? And that's really where the advanced techniques of storytelling come in, because we need to build a bond. We need to care about the choices that they make. And let's say they burnt their toast. We want to be able to feel empathy and like, oh man, they just burnt their toast rather than just he burned his toast, okay, what now? And that is the advanced technique of 
story that is used within storytelling building this bond with a character and it's so 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 incredibly important but if you don't understand that that is something that needs to, to happen or you don't understand the techniques how of how to achieve that then you won't be able to spot it in your own edit you'll ship it it looks great fine send it and if the exec i mean it's it's kind of expected really that an exec or a client does not understand these principles because it's your job as the editor to know these principles and they will just say something vague like i don't know it, i don't understand why but it just doesn't work or i don't care that this happens or can you remove this scene it doesn't do anything for me when really what they're saying is i don't bond i don't care that this happened to the character because i haven't bonded with them um, i haven't created this emotional connection with them and so that is why it's so important to understand these principles of storytelling because the client or the executive that you're going to send it to it's not their job to understand them so that's why it's so important for you to understand them and execute on those going back to the story at hand at this point in the job I'm simply working as an assistant editor to this executive editor who's pulling apart my edit and then asking me to fix some of the mistakes as in jump cuts, bad music cuts, things like that. Even still, this was a lot to do to meet the deadline. And so another editor was brought on. I, they were asked to essentially help me however I needed it and there was one section that needed a lot of work. I simply just didn't have time. I mentioned to this additional editor that I was overwhelmed and stressed. And rather than helping on exactly the area that needed helping, they offered me unsolicited advice and re-edited the entire film and then sent it to me. And at this point, I'm just super overwhelmed. Um, and it was an incredibly jarring experience because this is not something that was asked of them at any point. Um, and what it made me realize was that um, you can be the most experienced editor. This was an editor with a couple of years more experience than me uh, in terms of years. But actually years don't equate to being a good editor to work with and it really comes back to those core skills of course efficient workflow is one of the three core skills that make you a fantastic in-demand editor creative storytelling the ability to be good at your job at editing but also number three client relations and that really is what can make or break a career that editor and i will never work together again because i will choose not to the experience for me was so jarring and when they did send all this stuff it pushed me over the edge i was severely burnt out and exhausted and it was at that point when i had a meltdown and I wanted to be honest with you and share this story because it happened. And I know that I'm not the only person, not the only editor 
too have experienced this. It was at that point I mentally checked out from the project because it was doing me more harm than good. Sometimes, um, you know, a day rate does not cover the kind of pain and you experience through burnout. So I'd mentally checked out and I'd spoken to the producer about everything that had gone on and they gave me permission essentially to just work to coast for the rest of the edit. I didn't want to pull out um, completely because I, the success of the project was still on the line. But really I was, I had no creative energy in me at all. I was done. So I was given permission to essentially coast for the rest of the edit. That really is the story, but I wanted to share with you some of the lessons that I learned from this. It was a hellish project. Now that edit is no longer mine. However, my name is going to be on the credit. And having put so much time and effort and love into it, to have it taken away, have the heart stripped out, and when watching it back, it is not is not what I would have created, yet my name is going to be on there as a credit. So it feels um, really disheartening, the fact that this happened. But some of the lessons that I learned from this experience will serve me for the rest of my career and now will serve you. Burnout, I've learned, is engineered into the schedule. And it's really sad. I don't know if you saw, there was a, a, a study going around. This is at the end of last year or beginning of uh, 2023. And it was the top 10, it was by a news um, newspaper. It was the top 10 most stressful jobs in the world. Number one was brain surgeon or heart surgeon. I think it was brain surgeon. Uh, and number two was film and video editor. And it's at points like this, where you realize, you realize it seems ridiculous at first, but when you are working on these kind of schedules and burnout is engineered into the schedule, you are expected to burn out. It's kind of mad. It should be against some kind of workplace safety act or human rights, or I don't know how these things work, but workplace health and safety should cover unrealistic deadlines because it can have a, a huge knock-on effects for not just the short term, but the rest of your life, especially if you come from, um, you know, a family who has history of illnesses. If you have then a stress-related illness, which I did when I burnt out, some stress-related Ill illnesses flared up and it was horrible, um, then that shouldn't be the case that shouldn't be allowed so one of the learns uh, one of the lessons I, i've learned from this is to set out advanced terms from the beginning of a job firstly if you're working on a long project and you're emotionally invested and especially if they are not going to give you your full day rate then you need to set out a contract a set of terms which cover creative control if so much creative control is taken away from you as the editor, then you have the right to walk with full pay. 
you can leave the job with full pay. Now let's set it at say, for example, 75% because it's a collaborative process, right? The editing is a collaborative process. You have to take on board other people's feedback, especially the client. They are the ones that's paying your bills. However, there comes a point where for longer projects, especially after you've invested so much time uh, and energy to have it to have it burned down uh, can be more detrimental to the project than than just letting the editor do what they want. Let's look at it in two ways. Uh, well, three ways. Way one would be the editor does everything themselves completely. The finished product is only what the editor wants. Uh, way number two is the editor works and collaborates with the execs, the client, to come up with a stronger edit. And way number three would be that the editor is a button pusher, a technical button monkey who just executes on the client demand. Those are the three ways in which you can make an edit and you can, you can, you can work with a client. Way one, editor does is the only voice in the creative process. If that was the case, it wouldn't actually be the best edit. I hate to say this because editing is such a collaborative process. Even the worst client will have a valid idea. And some of the feedback that they force you to do will help you rethink some of the things that you have to do, some of the way the edit is laid out. So way one really doesn't work if the editor is just the only creative voice on the project. Way two, the collaborative project works strongly because you've got this um, you've got the, this bowl of ideas and all the good ideas will boil and come to the top and all the bad ideas will fall off the bottom. And so what you're left with is essentially a better edit. And then way number three, the client is the only person and the editor is just a technical button pusher. Well, if that's the case, all you're gonna get is something that's really, really boring, has no story, and it just the audience is gonna turn off an incredibly corporate feel to it. So again, doesn't really work. So the strongest way is a collaborative process. So when we're setting out terms at the beginning of a job, it's worthwhile saying that creative control, as in the, the editor's creative control, should be minimum, a minimum of let's say 50% or 75%. You think about it, if you know the client, you work with them before, then you'll understand how well the collaborative process works and you can adjust that. But that is something that I will be doing in the future. I'll be setting an amount of creative control and um, if all my ideas, or let's say more than 50% of my ideas are destroyed, are turned away, then I will walk because you have brought me on for this project, for my expertise in narrative and storytelling and everything else, um, that if those are ignored, then you might as well just get somebody who's cheaper and um, if, then I don't have to have the stress of having my work destroyed. It doesn't benefit anyone. So having that as a term in a pre-agreed contract could be a very good idea. Also, working hours. 
working hours and turnaround. So deadlines, if we, like I said earlier, burnout is engineered into the schedules. So it's a very good practice to set out at the beginning your working hours. I will only work and I'll only be available nine to five, for example, no overtime available. That's it. And if you want to add an extra two weeks onto that schedule, then, and because that's how long it's going to take, then that is how long it's going to take. Because it doesn't, doesn't work for the client in terms of having these short schedules because overtime as an editor costs the company more than if I were, if you just tagged on two weeks, uh, because my, the hourly rate of an editor after they've done a day costs more than an hourly rate of a normal day. So it doesn't actually make sense. So it's worth setting out your working hours and the turnaround to, from the beginning. And if the schedule looks a bit suspect because it's a bit too short for what they're looking for, then simply state at the beginning, this is how long it's going to take. And just stand by that and say, you have to adjust the schedule to meet that. Otherwise, I'm not going to work. And that is one of the terms. So expanding a schedule to accommodate a healthy working schedule. That's the key term there, a healthy work schedule, because we are not living to work, we're working to live. So we're not curing cancer, we're making films, chill, all right? Doesn't matter. Another lesson I learned is that the number of years of experience is irrelevant to skill level. Number, all of the editors that came onto this project had two, between two to five more years of experience um, as an editor. However, the work that they brought to the film um, actually was detrimental to the project as a whole. So it really goes to show that the number of years of experience is irrelevant to the skill level. And some of the skills that they were lacking fell under those three core categories of um, efficient workflow, but also creative storytelling and client relations. And those were the two, the two editors separately suffered within those two core skills. They didn't have three, all three of those pillars working strongly together. And so it was to the detriment of the project. So those are kind of the main lessons. Um, one of the other terms I was thinking about adding to a contract is this idea that a client must be reasonable. Um, otherwise, it could be terms for terminating, terminating the contract. Now, of course, that's completely subjective. How you'd get that to pass um, is, is going to be wild. You know, if you wanted to actually make that into effect in a court of law, then it could be difficult, but by having it as part of a, a pre-start you know, pre agreement, what you are essentially saying is, you, I'm not going to take any bullshit. So you have to be reasonable when we work together, because if you're not, then I, it's right terms to, I'm allowed to leave the contract early. I'm allowed to leave the job early with no repercussions. Um, and I think that's very, very good thing to have written in. So there's 
no bad feelings, no repercussions. I mean, it's not like you'd be working together in, again in the future um, if the nightmare, if the, the job was a, such a nightmare. And, and one of the other lessons that I come to realize is that without an understanding of the fundamentals of storytelling, you could end up making the same mistakes for a lifetime. These editors, certainly one, the one who uh, struggled with storytelling and, and bonding, had been making these same mistakes for years up until this point. Otherwise, they would not, you know, have made the at this point. They would, didn't even realize that they were mistakes. And if you don't know what those are, then you're going to keep doing them and you're going to keep making them for the rest of your life, for the rest of your editing life. And that is when you plateau as an editor. That's when your edits plateau. Your edits don't get better. Your jobs don't get better. You could be editing for six years and then you're just complaining because for the last two years, you haven't been getting any better work. Nothing cool has been coming your way. It's just been the same boring stuff. And you're actually getting a bit bored about the stuff that's coming your way. Well, there's a good chance that you're missing some of the knowledge from the three peers, efficient workflow, creative storytelling, or client relations. And that is what's holding you back. So this job taught me many, many things. And uh, thankfully I'm now recovered and I'm looking at back on this in hindsight, this whole job. And what it's given me is this new spark. I am now determined to use this platform, to use Unsplice, to address the imbalance in our industry, the unsustainable speed and workload. It's just unreasonable. It's, un it's, it's unbelievable. 10 years ago, the schedules for jobs like this would have been longer. Pay has not increased, certainly in the UK, and I've heard this from other editors in the US as well. Pay has not really increased at all much in the last 10 years, which is crazy. Yet workload has increasing, turnaround is getting shorter, and it's unsustainable. Now, of course, we have AI coming our way, which is probably gonna make things a bit easier, speed up some of the workflow, at least. Um, but it's unreasonable to expect this of humans. So I'm determined to address this imbalance in industry. I've been inspired to start my own production studio with that puts humans' welfare at the front of all productions. The production studio will have an incredible strong focus on storytelling in all mediums, in all forms. Storytelling really will be at the heart of what this production studio creates. That is what so many productions seem to be lacking. It's this really, really strong, heartfelt storytelling. Because even with Netflix, things are being churned out with a complete disregard for turnaround and working conditions. So of course, 
they are lacking in heart, they're lacking in depth, connection. And it's sad that this is what films have come to. This is what our industry has come to. So with this new production studio that I intend to build, Human Welfare will be the front of all productions. The working conditions, the hours, and the rates. Making sure editors and all people working across productions are paid well. They're paid what is relevant to the cost of living. Because the cost of living, as we know, has ballooned. And yet, rates have not. So ensuring that humans, these people, are rewarded with work, decent working hours, decent rates, and decent working conditions, where built into the schedule is enough time to achieve all those things and stay sane. And that's really, really, really important because really what it takes is one company to sort of set the field. And by the marker of the quality of the content that's coming out, the quality of the storytelling, the films that are being produced, that comes at a premium to the clients. And so then the staff, the freelancers, all get paid a decent wage with decent working hours. And then that becomes a standard because freelancers don't want to work for these other companies who are just churning stuff out for companies and burning out and having to take a month off after the job just to recover. They're going to start wanting to work for the company that has all of these fantastic working conditions. And clients will want to work with a company that offers the best videos, the best storytelling, the best productions, rather than quantity, we're going for quality. And that seems to be being lost. So by being the best, telling the best stories, you can, we can then hire the best artists, create the best working conditions, and that sets a bar for all other production studios, companies, brands to follow. And that's really what it takes. So I'm hoping, you know, this is my flag in the ground boom, to create films built on strong storytelling, not executive greed. And to ensure human, humane working conditions um, for all freelancers and staff. So watch this space. Thank you very much for listening to this story. I hope you've learned some lessons from my experience. If you've experienced anything like this, if you've experienced burnout, let me know in the comments in on YouTube. Uh, if you are listening on the podcast, then head to YouTube and join, write down in the comments some of the times that you've experienced burnout as an editor or as post-production or working in production as well. And let us know how the client you know, what was the client's relationship or the um, response to that? Was it expected? Were you cared for? Were you treated like a human or just as somebody who has been employed to execute on their demands and nothing more? Tell us a little bit more about your story. Love to hear that. Thank you so much for listening. Really great to have you on this. And um, I hope to speak with you next week. Thank you very much.